would you mind just kind of explaining what the, I know you talked about, you know, how, how weeds are, are a major pest and that we need to, you know, find ways to combat them because they're, they're so prevalent. But for somebody who doesn't have much agricultural experience, could you kind of explain why weeds are such a pest and why they're so important to, to keep under control? Yeah, so, so for uh, most of our field crops, especially, um, weeds very much uh, compete with the crops. So like for rice, or for example, with rice, um, when we don't control weeds and rice, we can actually end up with nothing at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So you plant your rice crop, you don't control your weeds um, at all. If you didn't control them in any way, you, you can literally end up with no rice at the end of the season. The mm-hmm. weeds are so competitive. Um, different crops you know, compete differently with, with weeds. Uh, rice is not very competitive. Um, in, in fact, a lot of uh, grass crops aren't super competitive. Um, so without managing the weeds, we, our yields, our yields, you know, what we're producing at the end of the season dropped by a lot. Welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brennan Black, and today's episode is going to be all about agri-science. To help me talk about this topic, I've got Dr. Uh, Whitney DeBrim Forrest here to talk about her uh, job and what she does in the agri-science field. Uh, so I'm going to let her give her own little introduction, talk about what she does a little bit before we hop into the questions here. Okay, sounds good. Thank you, Brennan, for having me. Um, so as Brendan said, I'm Whitney Brim DeForest. I, uh, my official title is Bryce Advisor. Um, I'm based out of a county office with the University of California Cooperative Extension. Um, my main uh, crops that I cover are rice and wild rice. And my background is in weed science. So I tend to do a lot of my research in that area. But I, I do extension, uh, outreach to the growers in all areas. But weeds are really important in rice. So again, mostly that's where I focus. Awesome. So uh, would you kind of mind just starting out uh, talking about how you got into the extension and, and kind of what, what pushed you into the field of agri-science in the first place? Sure. Uh, so I, I guess I can go I can go way back here. So I, um, as an undergrad, I actually was uh, um, originally interested in, in music. Mm. <laughs> Um, and then switched uh, majors partway through to biology. Um, And then shortly after I graduated, I joined the Peace Corps. And so it was actually in the Peace Corps that I I ended up um, really focusing in uh, agriculture and in weed science as well. Hmm. And then after coming back to the States, I started a master's program at University of California Davis and then uh, transitioned into a PhD program and stayed in rice. <laughs> so my PhD program focused in rice and weed science, and then uh, a position opened up here in, in California, and that's, that's where I've been uh, for about four years now as an extension scientist. Cool. That sounds awesome. So did you have much of an agriculture background before going into the Peace Corps, or was that kind of your first experience? Well, I, I was always interested in plants hmm. in my family. Um, some of my extended family are, are farmers, growers. Um, my great-grandparents owned a farm, and then some of my aunts and uncles have, have still farm uh, in different parts of the country. Um, 
and I actually did quite a lot of uh, volunteering on farms throughout college. So I kind of had an idea that I was interested in agriculture before um, going into the Peace Corps. But the Peace Corps itself was really where I got, um, I would say, very interested in, in continuing on in ag and particularly in extension, actually, as a field. Awesome. So uh, why don't you just kind of go into a little bit more depth about, if you're able to, about what the extension, you know, uh, does in, in terms of how you work with growers, what your research is actually based around. I know you said you talked about, uh, you know, weeds and, and rice and that sort of thing, but what exactly are you guys working on, um, you know, as much information as you can give on what you guys are working on and about, you know, like right now? Sure. Um, so I don't know um, how much your audience knows about extension. Um, I actually didn't know that much about it until I, I uh, started um, at UC Davis. But um, extension is a, is a federal program. Um, so it was started roughly about 100 years ago now um, as an act of Congress. Um, and it's paired with all the, the land grant universities across the country. Um, and their extension offices basically I wouldn't say necessarily every county, but almost every county across the United States. And I kind of like to think of it as like a, a way for um, the community to have access to science and to scientists. Um, so I, th I, th I think it's fairly unique. I don't think there are very many countries in the world that have an extension service like we do here. And I also think it's part of the reason why our, our agriculture is, is advanced. Um, any grower can call any of us up at any time to come out to their fields. And I think it's a, um, it's a really great way to, to have that um, scientific knowledge, like basically at your fingertips um, in, in each community. So I work primarily in rice. Um, as I said, most of my research uh, focuses on weed science, but um, Myself and my colleagues that work in rice here in California, there's about five of us. Uh, we do cover all different aspects of, of rice production practices. And a lot of it's based, a lot of our research um, is based on uh, what is most important and what is most pressing at the time to growers. So I like to think that it's very um, needs-based. So what, what the growers are interested in and what they need most is what we we tend to do research on and try to do research on. Upon you know doing more research on on what you do and, and having you talk about it, I was kind of caught off guard on the whole you know uh, studying rice thing because I wasn't I knew that California grows a lot of different types of crops, so I wasn't familiar with where rice is grown in California unless it's you know you're talking about rice that you research for other areas or other countries. Um, are are there California rice growers that I wasn't aware of? Yeah, so actually rice has been grown in California um, since, I guess, I think the first commercial, um, uh, sorry, the com first commercial growers were um, in the early 1900s. Wow. Um, so, yeah, roughly 100 years of commercial rice growing, um, and there is about uh, 500,000 acres or so uh, in, in California. Um, and most of the growers that grow rice are actually primarily rice growers. They don't tend to grow other crops. Mm. So it's actually a very important uh, cultural crop, I'd say, in this area, uh, mostly in the Sacramento Valley. So um, I'm based out of Yuba County and Sutter County, um, but Yuba, Sutter, View, Glen, Calusa, I miss a few, some in Sacramento, a little bit in Yola County, and a little bit in Placer as well. Um, so sort of the northern part of the state 
Um, and the area actually was historically, uh, before rice was grown here, uh, was historically wetlands. Hmm. Um, and so when, when folks started coming to California to farm, uh, rice seemed like you know, a viable crop for this particular area. And to this day, um, the rice area provides habitat similar to wetlands for, for uh, birds, uh, you know, some amphibians. Hmm. So it's actually sort of, uh, the rice is taken over as sort of a pseudo wetlands. Hmm. So yeah, it's actually a pretty neat um, agro ecosystem. I think it's a, a very good example of an, uh, of an agricultural area that still provides a lot of ecosystem services as well. Yeah, that sounds incredibly interesting. I actually, like I said, I, I wasn't really aware that we grew a whole lot of rice in California, but I mean, that does make sense that the northern regions would have more of the wetland style, uh, you know, climate and ecosystem area. I mean, because I, you know, I'm, I'm here down in the Central Valley, so it's, it's all dry here. So right. it's, a little, it's a little bit uh, more far-fetched to think of rice growing in this area, but um, no, that, that's actually really, really interesting. Uh, do you get a whole lot of, and I know, you know, you're, you're more of the, like you're more involved in the scientific and agricultural communities, but do you get a lot of people that aren't from those backgrounds that are curious about what you do or, or that like me didn't, didn't have any awareness about uh, the fact that we even grow rice or have that type of, of ability to, to grow those crops here in California? Oh yeah, for sure. I think most of the time when I say that I work in rice, uh, people are very surprised. <laughs> I, I, and I'm actually originally from Oregon, and I will say that I did not know that we grew rice in California either until I moved to California for, for graduate school. So, um, and my, my dad came and visited, I want to say maybe roughly around the time I started working here, and he, he thought all of the rice fields were, were like were water basins. <laughs> he was like, look at those <laughs> reservoirs, and I was like, no, those are the rice fields. So, yeah, it, I think it's very... Uh, surprising to a lot of people that we grow as much rice as we do. And actually, um, in terms of rice yields, we're the highest yielding area in the world for rice. Wow. Huh. Yeah, it's actually a very important uh, rice growing area as far <laughs> as uh, rice goes. Learn something new every day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, so I know that, you know, I, I don't have uh, much knowledge on rice. Most of my knowledge goes into like row crops and livestock operations, but uh, I do know that there was some experimental work being done with rice in terms of genetic modification. I don't know if you have any information on that or, or if your branch was, was uh, working with that at all, but do you know anything more about that? Sure. So the only GMO rice that um, has been worked on so far uh, that's made it close to any sort of uh, you know, commercialization is golden rice, actually, mm -hmm. um, from Asia. Um, and I believe I was actually just looking this up a couple of days ago to see if it had been approved for, for eating. And it has, but only in a couple of countries. And mm. so I don't know if they're actually, you know, people are actually consuming it as of yet. Um, mm. But in the U.S., we don't have any GMO rice. Um, the two major rice growing areas are here in California and then in the, in the southeast. Mm. And we don't have GMO rice here at all. Gotcha. Interesting. So uh, you also said that you work a lot with, with uh, weeds. What exactly do you do with weeds? Um, so I'm a, technically like my, my area of research, my, my title, I guess, is a weed scientist. Hmm. Um, and there's actually quite a lot of us. <laughs> so there's national and international societies. There's a California Weed Science Society. Hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so actually, as, as, as far as uh, cropping system goes, um, weeds are really important, right? So weeds are directly competing with our crops for 
nutrients, for light. So in terms of pests, they're probably the most important pest. I mean, I hate to say that to the entomologists and to the pathologists, but they're very, very important pests. They're always here. There's no way to completely get rid of weeds, right? Mm. So it's a sort of like an ongoing thing that we all deal with. Um, we actually apply more herbicides than any other type of pesticide in the U.S. Um, yeah, on average per year. Uh, in, in terms of uh, other ways to deal with weeds other than, than uh, herbicides, most of the, the uh, labor um, that we use in ag goes towards weed management. So it's a really, um, it's just one of those ongoing pest areas. And I got into weed science actually because of the labor aspect of it and how much uh, labor and time is put into weed management worldwide. So to me, that was actually why, you know, what drove me into to weed science actually. So, <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not, it's not one of those things though. I will say, you know, people do grow up, you know, as little kids saying, oh, I want to be an entomologist or something, but mm -hmm. I've yet to hear of anyone wanting to be a weed scientist as a child. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it is a very obscure job, but I'm sure it has quite a, you know, quite a bit of, of interesting stuff going on within that, within that career field. Um, so would you mind just kind of explaining what the, I know you talked about, you know, how, how weeds are, are a major pest and that we need to, you know, find ways to combat them because they're they're so prevalent but for somebody who doesn't have much agricultural experience could you kind of explain why weeds are such a pest and why they're so important to, to keep under control yeah so so for uh, most of our field crops especially um, weeds very much uh, compete with the crops so like for rice or for example with rice um, when we don't control weeds and rice we can actually end up with nothing at the end of the season <laughs> so you plant your rice crop you don't control your weeds um, at all. If you didn't control them in any way, you, you can literally end up with no rice at the end of the season. The weeds are so competitive. Um, different crops you know, compete differently with, with weeds. Uh, rice is not very competitive. Um, in, in fact, a lot of uh, grass crops aren't super competitive. Um, so without managing the weeds, we, our yields, our yields you know, what we're producing at the end of the season dropped by a lot. And wow. so, it becomes very important uh, to manage weeds. I mean, if, I think if people think of their gardens and stuff, you can probably even on a small scale, think about what weeds do to a garden. You know, they can grow over your plants to the point that they're, they're shading them, they're crowding them out, they're competing for, for water, for nutrients. Mm -hmm. And yeah, depending on how bad they are, and how many <laughs> weeds you've got, you can end up with nothing yeah. <laughs> out of your field or garden. So. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think I think a, a decent amount of people understand that concept, but I have met some people that don't understand that it's not just a cosmetic thing to get rid of weeds. That there's actually a a purpose from a productive point of view to actually you know to try to eradicate them because you know we've seen concerns yeah. with people with the amount of pesticides we use, you know, particularly herbicides, and they don't understand why we get rid of weeds so badly. And I, I kind of wanted to get a a weed scientist point of view on on why that's such a big deal. Sure. And like, I, I don't, you know, say that we should be using tons and tons of herbicides, but mm. uh, they're one tool in our toolbox, right, in terms of weed management. Mm. And there are other things that we do to manage weeds. Like, for example, with, with uh, rice, um, we actually flood the fields. So the water actually suppresses weeds. Mm. So we don't flood rice because of uh, rice requiring water. It's, it can grow in dry land as well, but we flood it for, for weed suppression. Oh, so the weeds, the weeds can grow as well under 
super, you know, high water. Yeah, so it's kind of, we, we do a lot of other things to manage weeds as well as use herbicides, but, you know, in terms of um, uh, using pesticides and using herbicides, I think herbicides are, you know, a, a great tool. Without mm -hmm. them, we end up having to have hand labor in a lot of cases. It's just not a way to get the weeds out of the field except for with, with human hands. So actually why I got into uh, weed management in, in the first place um, was watching uh, smallholder farmers in, in West Africa. I, I was based out of Senegal and the Peace Corps and watching people literally go out and hand pull weeds out of, you know, acres and acres of, of rice. And then because they weren't timely enough, they weren't pulling the weeds early enough, you know, out of no fault of their own, it's just not possible in mm -hmm. some instances, they would end up with basically nothing at the end of the season. Mm. So it's been three to four months hand weeding and then yield very, very low. And so it's, it, for me, it sort of started me on that thought process of thinking, you know, this is a really important <laughs> topic that we don't talk about that much. Mm. Um, so uh, the number one use of, of labor worldwide is actually in, in weed management. Wow. So me, yeah. So for me, it's a very, uh, it's more than just about managing the weeds. It's also a labor issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So have you seen, I'm assuming, you know, in your field of work, you've had to work with a variety of different types of growers, you know, conventional, organic, and, and that sort of thing. Have mm -hmm. you seen any unique styles of how to deal with weeds, particularly from like the organic point of view? Because obviously, you know, they have a restriction on what chemicals they're allowed to use. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming that manual labor is not. Yeah. Necessarily... So, so for rice, um, managing weeds and Oh, sorry. I think it cut out for hearing me. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I can hear you. Okay, wait. I missed the second half of your question. I'm no, I, I was just, I was just saying. You know, have have you heard anything interesting from from different types of growers on how to handle their weeds? Besides, like you know, like 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 we talked about chemicals and and the water flooding and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I mean, so I mean, there's not that many ways to manage weeds, right? So mm -hmm. we can manage weeds. Um, either by using chemicals and rice, we have water management. Um, in other crops, we do also use water management. So like, for example, with tomatoes, um, they use drip irrigation, right? So you're, you're getting only your tomatoes and not the weeds, right? So the point of that is, is partially weed management as well as water conservation. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's a lot of things that we call, we call them cultural con controls, right? So ways that we manipulate our, our management practices Crop rotation is one, a big one, right? So rotating uh, crops means that you're able to suppress some of those weed species because different crops compete with weeds differently. Mm -hmm. um, so crop rotation is a big one. Fallowing fields is another big one that growers, uh, especially organic growers would use. Um, so leaving the fields out of production for a year, maybe two. Um, tillage, so either by hand or, or by machines, if possible. Um, so many different ways to, to manage uh, weeds, but none of them is ever 100%. Even herbicides are not 100% control, usually in most cases, mm -hmm. right? So we, we use sort of what we think of as, a, um, I think, I can't remember the weed scientist that said it, but the idea is to use many little hammers. So you're not using just one weed control method, you're using multiple different weed control methods. Um, so that the weeds don't become tolerant to any of those particular methods. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. That way, yeah, you know, you're kind of switching it up each time. We do the same thing with, with pest control, you know, that way they don't, yeah, they don't exactly. get used to one method and, and get, you know, 
they they can almost like adapt to it um mm-hmm. so with that uh i forgot what my question was going to be now i had another question ready and i forgot what it was uh, oh, okay. oh i i remember what it was so I'm not sure if you've seen this much uh, in the northern parts of California or in other parts, but uh, in the Central Valley, we're starting to see a shift towards uh, more regenerative practices of agriculture, like no-till and you know preservation of, of soil and that sort of thing. Has that impacted the rate of, of weeds and, and you know the, the strength of weeds or that sort of thing? Have you seen anything like that show up over in your area? Sure. So, so I guess the um, when you go to like a no-till method in particular, Mm-hmm. Um, it can have impacts on the weed community, right? So most of the most of the weeds are coming up from, say, the like top six inches of soil, mm-hmm. right? So when you disturb the soil by tilling, um, you're bringing up more weed seeds, right? Mm-hmm. So so if you're doing no-till, to some extent, um, you're not going to get any weeds coming up from deeper than than six inches, mm-hmm. right? So most everything is just coming up from that top six inches of soil. Um, so it can have some suppression effect, but then it can also end up with uh, actually selecting or like turning your weed population more towards um, annual weeds. So weeds that, um, or sorry, not annual weeds, perennial weeds. So you'd be shifting away from annual weeds to more perennial weeds because you're not disturbing the soil every year. So you can end up with weeds that are um, much bigger in some cases and harder to actually get out of the ground that are sort of resistant so to speak to 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 tillage um so you know there's with anything in agriculture you move one thing or you change one thing and you create a different problem (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's never it's never super black and white i'd say like you know you do one thing and and it you know shifts to to creating another issue Mm. so that's why i mean when i think about pest management in general um I'm always thinking about like how can we do again like sort of many little different things mm-hmm. maybe we do no-till um but then we you know try to use cover cropping or we you know uh maybe are using uh like you know roundup ready crops that was that was why roundup ready became so popular was because of uh low tillage or zero tillage mm-hmm. um so you know trade-offs <laughs> Sort of whatever yeah. whatever you choose to do, you have trade-offs in other areas. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that, that seems to be the, the motto of agriculture is you fix one problem, but then you have 10 more that pop yeah, up because exactly. of it. So, <laughs> gotta... Sometimes it's hard to predict, you know, so sometimes mm-hmm. we think we have a good grasp on what will happen and then, you know, we're surprised, you know, right. or, or a new pest is introduced or, or, you know, some new issue happens like wildfires or something, you know, there's <laughs> a bunch of things outside of our control or not enough, not enough rain or too much rain. Or, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, no, exactly. It's a, it's always a constant battle of trying to, and like you said, you can never predict what's going to happen next. So it's impossible to know what's going to work right now. And if it's going to continue to work for as long as we need it to work before we can find another solution pretty much. Yes, exactly. But yeah, I would say regenerative ag is, is a big topic, I'd say, across the state right now, um, trying to, you know, do more uh, soil conservation practices. It's a little bit different in rice just because of our, our soil type. And um, so I would say folks aren't really shifting to no-till. We've done research on in that particular area, but it hasn't been uh, widely adopted. Our soils are very heavy clay soils. Um, and so they don't lend themselves super well to, to low tillage or no tillage. Um, I do advocate for it in some cases with, with certain weed species, 
um, just because continuously tilling them under actually um, sometimes lengthen the amount of time you have those weeds in your soil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, site specific and weed specific, but um, yeah, I think regenerative ag, generally speaking, is, is a very uh, important topic across the state right now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it's definitely, and because it's such a new, you know, a, a new thing to the table for agriculture, I think it's kind of getting a lot of attention because nobody really knows what to do with it yet. But I think it definitely has some, some pros and cons across the table. But like you said, it's, you know, with everything agriculture, everything's very circumstantial. It has to fit your situation and, and your, you know, operation size and, and your methods and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. And I think too, like as an extension scientist, one of the things that I, that I um, talk about a lot is like, it has to make sense economically, mm -hmm. right? So, so regardless of, of how great it is research-wise, you know, if it doesn't make sense from an economic standpoint, you know, farming is a business. Right. So if it doesn't make sense uh, to the grower, it's just not going to make sense, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it has to, it, in the end, it, it's all about, you know, are, are they able to adopt this practice? Does it, does it help save money in the short term or the long term? Um, mm. If it doesn't, then it's, it may not be widely adopted. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's definitely. <laughs> that makes point. sense, right? It makes sense. Yeah. No, that's definitely a good point too, is, you know, like you said, agriculture above all is, you know, it is, it is a business. So, you know, if, if, you know, you can come up with the best solution in the world, but if nobody can afford it, then it's probably not that good of a solution after all. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. yeah, no, I, absolutely. So I think kind of shifting into the next question I have, this is a little bit not off topic, but it's a little bit changing gears. Um, sure. So you obviously work with rice and you work with weeds on, you know, all, on all different scales. Uh, how many different industries or different types of growers do you actually work with? Um, so my official like job description, I cover four counties hmm. technically. Um, so I cover Yuba, Sutter, uh, Placer and Sacramento counties. Hmm. Um, but I do tend to work in sort of all the rice growing counties. Hmm. Um, there are only two of us uh, that work as rice advisors up in this area. So myself and my colleague, uh, Luis Espino works out of Butte County. Um, so he's an entomologist. And so the two of us sort of work together. So often if there's like a weed management call or something in a county that I don't technically cover, I might still go to that or talk to that grower or talk to that um, pest control advisor. Hmm. So, I mean, I cover, Four counties specifically, but often I end up working in all nine of our rice growing counties. Wow. And then I also work a lot with our industry. So, you know, I, I all of the advisors give talks at CAPCA and talks at um, PAPA. So there's a lot of interaction with us in the in the industry. I, I collaborate a lot with, um, with different companies. Uh, if they're bringing new products to California, we'll, we'll participate in testing those products. Hmm. Um, and then, of course, with like the university. So, uh, you know, I'm part of University of California, but not part of U UC Davis. But I collaborate a lot with UC Davis. And then up here, since I'm uh, based out of sort of the northern part of the state, I also work a lot with Chico State. So I, uh, I teach at Chico State sometimes. I do guest lecturing. Um, I have Chico State students work with me a lot. Um, and then even the community colleges, Butte College in particular. So there's a lot of collaboration because we're, we're county-based. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's a little bit different than working like in a university setting. 
So I, most of my work is with the community. And then of course, extension itself, um, we also have different programs under us. So we've got, you know, 4-H, Master Gardeners. So I do a lot of uh, work as well with our 4-H advisors, collaborating with them, um, with our Master Gardener uh, program, uh, training Master Gardeners. So it's, uh, it's a little bit different than being based at a university. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I love it actually. <laughs> my I favorite so. part of my job is being able to, yeah, being able to talk to lots of different people, uh, go to different, you know, places, uh, and work actually with, you know, lots of different types of people. So I'm, I am working primarily with growers and, and pest control advisors with my primary clientele, but I also get to do a lot of work with students, of course, and then with the community. So mm. it's a little bit different. Yeah, it definitely and, sounds like it. And being a professor, yeah. <laughs> and I, and it, it is, I think most of us, if you talk to a lot of the extension specialists or advisors, you, you'd hear that most of us really enjoy this part of our job as the outreach and the, and the talking to the public. And I talk to the public too. So I do a lot of, um, you know, if I'm invited uh, to schools and stuff, I, I speak in classrooms. Hmm. So elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, um, I've done garden clubs. So there's a lot of public outreach. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And I was actually going to transition that point into uh, another point. I've, you know, I've got a couple extensions fairly close to me. Um, I've talked to soil scientists at one extension and we have a citrus extension not too far uh, that does a citrus tasting thing in, in oh, okay. December yeah. um, over with UC Riverside. And uh, I actually got to tour their facility and see a lot of their their labs and see what they're working on and that kind of stuff. It was really interesting because I'm kind of a citrus nerd. Um, okay. <laughs> so they do a lot of their community outreach by having people come to their labs and they do, you know, demonstrations of stuff. And like I said, they do the citrus tasting thing and they show different varieties of citrus that we don't grow in California. Um, mm -hmm. What kind of, you know, like I know you talked about, you do a lot of outreach stuff in terms of going to classrooms and teaching and that sort of stuff. What kind of community work would you do through your extension? Um, so, I mean, with the growers and PCAs themselves, I actually go to their fields so that mm -hmm. they, they'll call me up and I and say like, I have X problem mm -hmm. and I want you to see something. And so I go to their fields. So I spend a lot of time um, during the rice season actually visiting with individual growers and mm -hmm. pest control vendors. So in fact, almost every day this summer, <laughs> maybe because people were, you know, wanting to get out and do things. There's not a lot of activities. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, so exactly. Everyone was out, was out looking at their fields more. I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that's one of my big things. And one of all, all of the advisors do, mm -hmm. do a lot of that is what we call farm calls. Um, so we're, you know, directly connecting them to the university uh, I'm able to, you know, if I don't know the answer to the question, I can, you know, shoot it out to my colleagues. Mm. Um, so that's probably the biggest component. And then we also do field days. Um, we do, you know, seminars and right now webinars, <laughs> since we can't do in-person uh, seminars. Um, so a lot of that. And then um, I, do, I do a lot of writing. So we have blog, we have social media. Um, we do, uh, I write articles for some of the the extension magazine, so like Kafka magazine, um, the uh, Farm Bureau, their Ag Alert. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, sort of cross crossing of all of us. We you know we work for the university, but then we're also doing a lot of extension and outreach in other mm -hmm. areas. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like that sounds really cool. 
Um, so obviously, you know, with this podcast, we focus on ag literacy and kind of bringing people who don't know as much about agriculture onto the show and talking talking to them about different aspects of the industry they tend to not know about. I actually have met sure. quite a few people that don't even realize that agricultural education is an option in, in the United States. Um, yes. Have you interacted with a lot of people of that you know, background of not having much or, or really any agricultural experience or knowledge? And if so, what have you, you know, what was like, what are some questions that you've gotten? What, what are things that they were surprised by? What have you interacted with them about? Um, so I'd say like, so I do teach at Chico State. So a lot of my students, I teach a plant science introductory course um, with a couple of their professors. Um, so a lot of our students are very new to agriculture and, and mm-hmm. have never, you know, even maybe in some cases seen a farm or garden ever um so we spend a lot of time just sort of um you know getting people used to the idea of like touching the soil (laughs) you know we do little garden plots with them so that they can grow their own vegetable seed at the end of the the semester just very basic stuff um when i talk to you know people outside of chico state outside of my students um, I, I spend a lot of time sort of, I would say, dispelling myths. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people that don't realize that we grow a lot of these crops here in California. Like, for example, most people don't know that almonds and walnuts are, you know, pretty much just grown here in California. <laughs> we don't grow them in other places in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that, that California is a big dairy producer. So there's a lot of, I spend a lot of time sort of just, yeah, explaining <laughs> a lot about California agriculture. Um, and sort of how important it is both to the state and to the United States as a, as a whole. Mm. Um, you know, we, we produce a lot of uh, vegetables here, you know, not as, or that are not as widely grown in the rest of the U S. Um, so I would say that's probably the biggest thing is dispelling myths. And then also, um, I think folks don't realize, uh, you know, the, the, some in some cases that they live so close to farms right <laughs> so you know when I speak to kids like I do a lot of speaking in Yuba City schools um, and, and even though it's an agricultural community a lot of the kids haven't haven't ever visited a farm so um, I've done some partnership with some of our after-school programs so that kids can taste like taste rice and then I talk <laughs> about rice and I show them rice plants and I bring plants with me to class so um I think just a lot of uh, trying to expose people to to things that are so close to us, yet it's sometimes so far, right? So we do like ag tours as well. There's some of the, the um, like Butte County does a agricultural tour that people can sign up for and then they get bussed around. Obviously not right now, but normally. <laughs> so they get bussed around to different agribusinesses. Um, yeah, so just a lot of, a lot of different uh, different things, I guess. Yeah, that sounds really cool. It sounds like you have quite a bit of interaction with a lot of different types of people. Yeah, I like to think of myself as sort of uh, an extension, as sort of like a bridge between agriculture and everybody else, because we are scientists. We are, you know, we we do have that distinction, I guess, of being, Mm. you know, a scientist. (laughs) So I I can speak with some authority and people do listen. So I I try to sort of be an an advocate, right? An advocate for (laughs) advocate, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so I, and I think a lot of us do that both in our personal lives and also um in maybe through social media or other outreach that we do 
Yeah, absolutely. And I've been trying to, you know, that's kind of the purpose of, of this podcast is to try to be that bridge between agriculture and, and the consumer and, you know, try to show the consumer that agriculture is not so far out and show the agriculture that the consumer is not so lost that we can actually have these conversations and people will actually enjoy them. And so it's, it, it's nice to see that the extensions are, are doing, you know, doing, doing their part in, in bridging that gap as well, because a lot of people don't realize how scientific agriculture can get. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's very precise, you know, scientific work that, that people are doing to make sure that their food is, is safe and is grown correctly and, and grown in the best way possible. And people tend to not realize how much work goes into it. Yeah. And actually as well, the, I would say that the growers and the pest control advisors are very well educated. <laughs> I mean, they, they attend, you know, our webinars and seminars and field days and things. So mm-hmm. they, you know, probably in some cases more than the general public are exposed to graphs and, and numbers and data, like on a very regular basis. So I think a, a lot of people would be surprised by that, right? That our growers and our PCAs are pretty much, you know, all year attending these these seminars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think the general public actually does that often. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of them, I, a lot of people I've talked to, because I've had quite a few people on here that are, uh, definitely not from agricultural backgrounds because they they have questions. And I, I bring them on here to ask those questions. We can have conversations about them. A lot of them don't realize just how educated farmers tend to be. You know, growers are are extremely. You know, uh, they, they know their stuff. You know, they and I would hope yeah. that they do. You know, if if they're being tasked with growing this much food for such a large population, I would hope that they're at least educated on on how to actually grow it. And that that yes. tends to be that tends to be a topic that a lot of people don't. Uh, think about quite as much in their daily lives but as soon as you bring it up to them they're like oh yeah I guess that makes sense I would hope that they know a lot too yeah and and I think too people also forget um just in terms of like I guess perceptions about about farming and about growers that you know they're not they don't want to destroy the land (laughs) like the (laughs) land is very important to them right Mm -hmm. they're in it to preserve the land they want to be able to farm for as long as possible so uh, Mm -hmm. you know a lot of these practices and um you know sort of agroecological things that we talk about, the growers are, are just as gung-ho about doing them as the general public. It's just that they're coming from maybe a perspective of like, you know, I've tried this before and it didn't work or, right. you know, so there's, you know, they have more knowledge about it than the general public. So I always try to bring that up. You know, they've been living in the land, they farm, they're very knowledgeable about the systems that they're working in. Right. No, exactly. I think that's a, that's a good way of putting it too, is that, you know, that, that land is their livelihood, essentially. If that goes down, then they're kind of up a creek at that point. So it's, it's important that they preserve that land more than anybody really. So it's, it's good, it's good to keep in mind that, that, you know, they're, they're looking out for the best interest of the land, of the consumer, of the, you know, the farmer themselves and their family. And, you know, that that they're just trying to do their best to make sure everyone gets fed on time. Yes, exactly. And I mean, I, 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 you know, appreciate very much um, our growers. Like there's only a very small percentage of the population anymore that farms. Mm-hmm. And I think it's 2% right in the US, something like that. Um, and the rest of us that don't work 100% <laughs> of the time in agriculture, I mean, very much benefit from that, right? It mm-hmm. allows the rest of us to do the other things that we enjoy doing. Otherwise we would all be back farming like we were about a hundred years ago. So right. I always, talk about that as how important it is that we have people that are still farming and that we're able to you know produce more food so that i you know i can have my my iphone or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right all the things that, I'm, that i can do that i wouldn't be able to do otherwise yeah. otherwise i'd be farming 
pretty much most of the year myself as well. So. Right. No, exactly. And that's why whenever, you know, whenever I have conversations with people about, you know, large farms or people are worried about farmers getting, you know, uh, just like capitalizing on it and they're like, well, why can't I be a farmer? I was like, do you really want to be a farmer? Like, I don't think you realize. It's hard work. Yeah. Super hard work. <laughs> yeah. So no, I'm, I'm always, I'm always very adamant about people understanding just, you know, just how, how good they have it when, when there's people out there, you know, working 24, you know, 24 hours a day, making sure that their food is, is safe and, and healthy and abundant. And, and yeah, so that's, that's actually the inspiration for the closing line of this podcast, which is always, don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's right. Yeah. So I think that those are all the questions I had. Did you have anything else you wanted to add or, or throw in there? Or? Um, I would just say, you know, uh, for folks that are interested in learning more about agriculture, there are extension offices in every county in California. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, ki any kid can be involved in 4-H. 4-H does a lot of uh, science education. It's not just about ag, it's about science in general. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, if you're interested in gardening and want to do it on a small scale in your backyard or in your front yard or whatever you, land you have. Um, the master gardeners are available in every county and, and are ready to, to help answer any questions for folks that are starting out gardening. So, you know, you don't, you don't have to be a farmer to be involved in ag. I think everybody should be involved in ag and, and know more about where their food comes from. I couldn't agree more. So if you have anything uh, that you would, uh, you know, like to, to share, you know, you have my information, so you can always let me know. Um, if you have any, you know, any uh, social media that you'd like to share, I can put down, put that down in the description. If you want anyone to contact you or anything like that, if not, you want to stay anonymous, that's fine by me. Um, oh no, I'll put my social media out there. It's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, you, you can tag, you can, you know, you can share that now if you like, or if you want, I'll just put it down in the description or I'll do both either way. It's up to you. Oh, sure. sure. I mean, so the, the race team has our, we have our own social media. Um, and it, I believe it's at UC rice on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And then me and myself, I have my own personal Instagram, which is at scientist Cali. Um, and that's what I kind of share more things about California ag in general um, and maybe just agriculture in, in general, not just about rice. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's definitely a lot of good stuff on there. I was browsing your, your page a little bit before we started this episode. There's <laughs> oh, okay, <we're> good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's actually the page that she contacted me through. So I know that it's a, it's a good one. So I'll be sharing that around. I'll put that in my, in my description below and everything. I'll make sure to tag, you know, whenever this episode goes out, I'll make sure to, to tag you and everything that people can find you and reach out and, learn more about what you do so okay sounds good thank you so much Brendan. i appreciate it yeah thank you for coming on i had a great you know i think it was i think it was a great talk i think people learned quite a bit hopefully and uh if we have if we have anybody asking any questions i'll be sure to send them your way okay sounds great thank you yeah so thank you and thank you everyone for tuning in and don't forget if you ate today thank a farmer <laughs>